is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In him, our ransomed soul will find rest. And one day we will have eternal rest. But I'm thankful today that God gave many of you an hour's extra rest. Um, for those of you who have little kids, you, will, you realize that although we can change our clocks and although my iPhone woke me up the correct time, that our kids still thought it was 6.30 and not 5.30. So I, I will wait one day that God gives me eternal rest because I did not have my hour last night. If you have your Bibles with you, and I, I hope and pray that you do, turn to Colossians chapter 2. We are journeying through Colossians and with a sermon series entitled, All About Jesus. All About Jesus. And, and my message this morning is entitled, The Deception of versus deliverance. I've entitled the deception of religion versus the deliverance of Jesus Christ. But you can fill in the blank there. It could be the deception of the world, the deception of the Bible belt, the deception of your home, the deception of X compared to the deliverance and the freedom that we find only in Jesus Christ. Religion is identified and defined in this way the belief in and worship of a superhuman power, a particular system of faith, a pursuit of interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. And we live in a time, and it's not different than thousands of years ago, where people say, well, as long as you are worshiping something, God will honor that and God will reward that. That is not what the Bible says. That is not what Jesus Christ says. Jesus Christ says the opposite. He says, I, Jesus, am the, the way and the truth and the life. Without the truth, you don't have the way. Without the way, you don't have the truth. And without either, you don't have eternal life. Second Timothy reminds us in the last days, by the way, welcome to them. People will be lovers of themselves. Right, selfie generation? Lovers of money. Right, affluent Americans, boastful, proud, blasphemers, right, politicians, disobedient to parents, right, kids, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Man, sound familiar? And then Paul says this in 2 Timothy. He said, having the appearance of godliness, yet denying its power. Now, the reason I, I begin here before we look at Colossians, because 
If we are not careful, we can do church and we can look like we have godliness and yet we deny its power in our life. So we are going to see a book of the Bible written to church people. We can't miss that fact that Paul says, do not be deceived, church folk. Do not be deceived because only Christ is the answer. So let's read Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to plug our Wednesday night services. If you, if you were here Wednesday night, this is a familiar passage because we have already prayed over this together. We've already read this. So if you're looking for something to do on Wednesday nights and would like to gather around like-minded people who pray and seek the Lord together, Wednesday night at 6.30, we would love to have you. Colossians 2, verse 1, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for those in Laodicea and for you also. For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love, attaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I say this lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Now circle that because we're going to camp out on verse four this morning. For though I am absent in the flesh, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As though therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up, established in the faith, you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You are complete in him. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Let's pray. Father, as we read your word, Lord, may we not be hearers only, but may we be doers. Lord, where there is sin in our life can bring conviction. Lord, where we are worn out and weary, give us strength. Lord, if there is someone here that is blind to the gospel, that they have not received Jesus Christ yet, Lord, I pray that they will respond to your grace this morning. Lord, that we would be built up, rooted in you, and we would know the truth that in Jesus Christ, we are complete, lacking nothing. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Screwtape writing to his young Wormwood in the, the book Screwtape by C.S. Lewis said, error, old error in a new dress is error nonetheless. Old error and new dress is error nonetheless. So we continue our series in All About Jesus with an admonition and a warning to the church. And what is Paul's warning here in verse four? He's saying, Bethel, church, the invisible church and the visible church, what should we watch out for in verse four? Now this I say lest anyone should deceive you. Now I know many of you had, have had an extra hour of sleep, okay? Lest I say this, 
should anyone deceive you with persuasive words? So why would God give us this unless we are prone to be deceived, right? Now, before we point fingers and say those pagan heathens out these, outside the walls of these church, I can't believe they're deceived by the world. That is not what Paul is saying here. He is writing to the church saying, you guys, us, do not be deceived. That's my first point. Do not be deceived. You see, deception is anything that draws us away from the truth of the gospel. Not just the gospel, but the whole gospel. That's why we believe here, we stand firm that we declare the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. It is important that we stand upon the entire counsel of God. Because if I stand on something that I've created is no longer the gospel and I am now walking in deception. But this is why it's difficult for us. You see, in order to recognize deception, we must first recognize truth. In order for us to recognize deception, verse four, we must recognize the truth. And so I ask you, do you know Jesus Christ? My testimony is mirrored to what Dan shared with you earlier, that I grew up in church. And I don't, I don't, I don't say this as a boast, but by the time I was 12, I knew more scripture verses in my mind than most adults would ever know. But there's a problem with that. I didn't know Jesus Christ personally. I knew about him. I knew some of the gospel, but I had not yet received Christ. And so I did not know truth from deception because I didn't know truth. And so do you truly know Jesus Christ? And you say, well, pastor, I've grown up in church. Of course I do. You're being deceived. He said, well, I watch pastors on TV. You're being deceived. We say, well, oh, I've grown up with a Bible in my, in my house and in my hand. But if we have not received the grace of Jesus Christ personally, you are being deceived in your life. Do you know the truth of Jesus Christ? Do you know the glorious power of his word? How important is it for us to know God's word? And as I read 2 Timothy earlier, it seemed like God is penetrating our culture. That in the end times, there will be people who are lovers of self. Welcome to our world. This was written thousands of years ago, and yet God is still impacting our world. There will be people in the last days who boast in themselves. Lord, I can't wait till Tuesday. I mean, just personally, I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I know who the king is. So the, the little kings, I'm not worried about. But it seems like we seek people in our lives that are boasting in themselves and not in Jesus Christ. And here's the problem with our culture that we have created. Most people that boast in Christ and him alone won't ever get on TV because in order for us to put them on a pedestal, you have to boast in yourself that we would not be deceived by the world. Actually, the Bible says about God's word in Jeremiah that it's a hammer. You know that God's word can shatter a hard heart and a hard head. You know how I know that? Because he shattered mine. And if you are here and you say, well, you just don't know what I've been through. I want you to know that every time you hear God's word, God is pounding on your heart as a hammer would pound on a nail. 
God's word also is said to be a fire that can bring warmth to any cold heart, any dead body. And we also know that God's word is a light, that it would be a light into my feet and a lamp into my path. That when we are in darkness, God's word shines forth. And when we are encountering deception, God's word would shine forth. You say, Pastor, what are you getting at? Often we don't know deception until it's too late. I believe that many times churches, church people, Christians have been deceived and it's too late. It's not too late for Christ. He can forgive us of that and he can change our lives. I was reminded of this several years ago. Um, we're about to pay it off, so that's why I know. Um, but I found a good deal on a car in New Orleans. And we've been looking for a car for um, several years, well, several months, because we, we had Eli and we said, you know what, the the Ultima kind of got small quick, especially when you add car seats and it said, Lord, we just, we're going to pray. And so I was looking for a certain car and I found that car in New Orleans. And I was actually going to New Orleans that day to teach at seminary. So I had the, the perfect car, the perfect deal. One problem, I didn't bring my wife along. It has nothing to do with her. I will never buy a car by myself again. It's just personally, that's not, that's not a spiritual endeavor. It's just a personal. So I, I, I get this car, I, I get in it, I drive it. And I'm like, man, this is nice, right? Uh, mechanically, it's good. And we got a good deal. And it, I was in and out, no problem. I drive it home. I'm like, dear, look at your new car. And so she, she wasn't too enthused yet. She just starts to walk around the car. I'm like, what is she doing? They're like, baby, I got you this, you know, I got you this new car. I would never call her baby, by the way. I saw her face there. <laughs> but just pretend this is a story. It's a pastor story. I get some freedom of expression. And she walks to the hood. And you know what she says? She says, it looks like it's been wrecked. I said, no, I would never buy a car that's been wrecked. I'm like, Lord, what did I do? And so I, I go to the Carfax and I pull it up and sure enough, I believe it's the front right fender bender from a year prior. Now, they didn't tell me it was wrecked. Now, to their credit though, I didn't ask. But I, I got home thinking, you know what? I've been deceived. And the Lord and his sovereign grace, two weeks, two, I think it was two months later, we, we wrecked it again. <laughs> so it was like, don't worry about that, right? Uh, Thanksgiving night, we were a mile from my grandma's house and someone ran a red light and just plowed into us. Uh, almost totaled it. But I began to think, you know, there are times in our life where we don't know deception until we've already bought the car and we've taken it home. And some of you have been eating up what the world has been telling you. You'll turn on talk shows or popular shows and, and you bought the lie. Well, I, I know you're a Christian, but you know, everyone else worships everything else. And um, don't worry, it'll all work in the end. That is not what Jesus Christ says. Actually, Jesus comes to tell us. He says, I am God in flesh. In Christ, the fullness of God dwells bodily. So if you believe, well, it doesn't matter what we worship, you have bought a lie and you have brought it in your home. And that lie is wrecked. May we have discernment that Christ would give us more. 
Often, as Paul says in verse four, he says, beware lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. That reminds me that we need to be very careful when things sound too good to be true. Man, that pastor really sounds good. Well, maybe he does and maybe he is God-fearing and God-centered. That's, that's wonderful. When our gifts mirror God's spirit. But there are times when persuasive words are persuasive because they're deceptive, not because they're true. Be careful when things sound too good to be true. Be careful when things sound too good to be true for you. Because there are things that people can say where we would, we would say, oh, amen. I love to hear that. If you have to say, I love to hear it, the Bible says in the last days that people will preach to your itching ears. If you say, well, that just sounds really good to my ears. Oh, may God cleanse us from deception. Often what is good for our ears is destructive to our soul. So we must ask, does the church, does the pastor, does the philosophy, does the strategy that I am hearing and that I'm abiding by push me deeper into God's grace and to his word? The day I preach and I don't open my Bible is the day that you should be knocking at my door saying, Pastor, what happened today? Because that's the day where you can't say what a great sermon. You can say what persuasive words you preached. I like the illustrations I like the car story, but pastor, you didn't open God's word and we stand upon God's word. Be careful of persuasive words. And we say, well, then how, how do we know what's deceptive? Look at verse eight. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Now the word philosophy here is not this academic philosophy. Uh, the word philosophy here is used for any tradition that you might be about rules. I said, well, what, sir, what is your rule? He said, well, I'm just going to stay to myself and keep my nose clean and God will accept me. I think, what is it? What does that even mean? You're going to be a hermit and with a clean nose. Um, right? But here's the lie that we buy. Many of us think, well, if I just work hard, if I go to church when I can, God will accept me. Oh, that is a lie from hell. May we not be deceived. You see, often religious life is a system of convenience and convenience does not result in a life change. We do things to make systems and programs that we say, well, Lord, I'm just gonna have a microwave Christianity. Make it convenient for me, make a system. God, let me just say a prayer and let me go on with my life. That is not salvation. It is not the gospel. Convenience actually leads to chameleon behavior. If we're not careful, many of us will change colors on Sundays. Some of you changed to crimson today. I don't know how that happened. Saw a lot, see a lot of those shirts today. But it might be another color, blue, green. Many of us have a spiritual color that will change when we get around spiritual people. Maybe it's blue, maybe it's gray. And then when we get in another environment, our external shell changes again. We get back to work on Monday morning and we turn back to our real color. You know what that is? Black. That's, that's the color of our heart without Christ. 
May we not be deceived into convenience because belief that does not impact my behavior is useless. A belief that does not impact my behavior is useless. It's deception. It is not Christ. Paul warns us again in verse eight. He says, be careful that anyone would cheat you with philosophy or empty deceit. The word emptiness means hollow because we live in a world that, that says this, do what you feel is best. Do what you do, do in your life what feels right. As if our feeling has any impact on God's grace and mercy. And listen to the music that we, we are attracted to. Listen to the, the services that we, are, we gravitate towards sometimes. The music that we have is almost has this rhythmic behavior where it starts quiet. And as we worship, as we sing, it gets louder and louder and louder and the words get more repetitive and repetitive. And before you know, we're in a frenzy and we don't know why because it feels good. And we leave here saying, Lord, we've worshiped. And when in reality, we've been deceived. There's a song that we like at our house right now. Um, it's not ungodly. It's not godly either. It's just a neutral song. I'm not gonna say what it is. Casey, don't worry. But we love the song. When it comes on in the car, our kids are like, I mean, they're, they're pumping their arms, dancing. And they dance, our, our 18 month old dances like this. And sad thing is her dad dances like this also. <laughs> um, but we, we love it. Why? Because it makes us feel good. But our relationship with the Lord cannot be built on the way I feel. Because if I'm not careful tomorrow morning, I'm not gonna feel the same way I did today. Paul says, be careful that anyone would cheat us with emptiness, with hollowness, with tradition of men. Hey, church, we have a lot of traditions. Not all of them are bad, not all of them are good. But if it's a tradition, we say, you know what is a tradition of man? We can throw it out or we can take it, but it is not gospel. Be wary what we hold near and dear in our hearts. There are times though in our life where the deception is not external, it's internal. There are times in my life where the biggest deception is not you, it's coming from my own heart. Because some of us buy the lie that I'm a good person because I've grown up in church. No, you're not. And actually without Christ, you can't be part of the church because you don't know his grace and his mercy. Jesus makes you the church, you don't just go to the church. Some of you bought the lie and I pray that God's word shatters your heart today. And by the way, I'm thankful you're here. I don't believe that's an accident or incident. God has called you here to hear his word. Some of you have bought the lie that you're just too ugly and too nasty inside to be loved by the Father. I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think we have any murderers in our audience. I'm pretty sure even if we did, we don't have any murderers that were murdering Christians because they believed in the way. But I know a man who did, and his name is Paul. And I know that exact same man was the man who wrote the verses that we just read. And he would tell you, don't buy the deception. You are not beyond God's grace and his mercy. Don't be deceived. Is God calling you to salvation today? You say, well, I, he can't call me, not me because I'm unholy. You are. Not me because I'm sinful. Yes. Not me because I'm beyond his grace. Don't listen to that. None of us are. 
Maybe you're here and you bought the lie that you're too young to serve him. You're not too young. Youth, you are not too young to work for the Savior. Maybe you're here and you don't remember your youth days. And you bought the lie that you're too old to serve him. Do not believe that lie. Because until I breathe my last breath, I am not too old. I am not too weary. I am not too worn. May we not buy the lie. The enemy will tell you at the beginning of your lives, it is too soon to serve God. He will tell you at the end, it is too late. Oh, be not deceived, J.C. Ryle says. But pastor, okay, I get it. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Empty philosophies. I don't want to do that. So how then do we find deliverance? Oh, it is found in Jesus Christ. It is found in Jesus Christ. Verse six, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do we find deliverance in our life? It is found in verse six. It is found through the good news of Jesus. Receive Christ Jesus. Well, how do we receive him? This verse is not only a matter of believing in a person. It is also a commitment to his truth. Because some of us believe, well, I believe in Jesus. I celebrate Christmas. So, of course, I believe. And yet you are not committed to following his word living for him, you don't truly believe. Have you received his mercy that is freely offered? Have you received it? Verse six, receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Bonhoeffer defined cheap grace this way, the preaching of forgiveness without repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Christ Jesus. Have you received him as Lord today? He died for you. Knowing that you were in your sin, he still died for you. To find deliverance, look to Jesus. To find deliverance, look to Jesus. Verse six, to find deliverance, receive Christ Jesus and walk in him. So are you walking well? Look at the words that Paul uses. He says, walk this way. Sounds like a song. It would would really be a good song, I imagine. Rooted, verse seven. The word rooted comes from the land, the environment of horticulture. It is to, to sink your roots down in Christ. The tense is completed action, but continuing results. Paul is saying, if you have rooted yourself in Christ, he will continue to work in your life. Are you rooted on the firm foundation of Christ? I couldn't help but think of a tumbleweed in this illustration of being rooted in Christ. You see, tumbleweeds have a single, rather narrow root that turns brittle with age. And tumbleweeds can be massive, They can grow fast, but they have a very single brittle root. And as they get older with age, the wind comes and they blow the tumbleweeds. And then the tumbleweeds are at the mercy of the wind. And my fear for some here is that you've bought the idea that you can have a little root in Jesus and live your life like you want to live. And you wonder why, guys, the wind's blowing you any way it wants. Because you don't have roots. 
And the word Paul uses is not you sink a little root and then go on with your life. It is you have put your faith in Christ, rooted in him, and that root will sustain you throughout your life. Oh, that we would be delivered and rooted in Jesus Christ. How are your roots today? How are your roots? Don't have a tumbleweed faith. Stay rooted in him. Then Paul says this, not only be rooted in Christ, but Verse seven, not only be rooted, but I heard it built up. So not only using land from the farm, but now land from construction. So why would we have to be built up? One, because Jesus Christ was a carpenter by trade. And if anyone knows how to build you a good house, it's Jesus. But he also says this truth, that if we are like houses being built, you're not finished yet. So if you came in here thinking your house was built, you're done, I got news for you. There's still some some rooms to be built. They still got to pour the sidewalk or something. They still have to do the landscaping. But the joy of scripture is this, that if I am to be built up in Christ, I'm not the one building myself. Jesus is the one building me. And I know I'm not done yet, but that means he's not done with me yet. I love that truth. Put your faith in Christ, be rooted in him and be built up. And when you say, I'm tired of being built, Jesus says, hey, I'm a carpenter. I got this. I'll build you. Maybe you're here and you're just worn. You say, Lord, I need need some remodeling today. Father, I need you to build me up with your truth. Do not worry. He is not finished with you yet if you believe in him. Be rooted, built up in him and established in the faith. The word established means to have a firm guarantee, to be confirmed by his faith, to be validated. Translators are are not sure of how to translate this verse. They ask, is it to be strengthened in the faith or be strengthened by your faith? And I say, yes. There are times where we are struggling and our faith strengthens us for those who believe. And there are times where you are struggling and it is your faith that strengthens you. And so if you're on a mountain today, I say, may your strength come from your faith. May you be carried by that. As we sing, oh, the old rugged cross. But if you're here today, you say, well, I'm not, I'm not there on the mountain. I'm down lower. Know that your faith will carry you through. Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it. Paul says, Hey, grow in your faith. How do we avoid deception? By growing in his word. Get into God's word until his word gets into you. And just because you have a Bible in the home does not mean it's in your heart. And that's convicting for me because we, we have a Bible in every room. And not only do we have a Bible in every room, I have a Bible on my iPad and a Bible on my phone. And we can be Bibled out. And we fool ourselves to thinking, hey, because my Bible is on my kitchen table, then it's just going to jump into my heart. God didn't tell you that. Satan told you that. Because if I'm not putting it in my ears and reading it in my, through my eyes and putting it in my heart, I have deceived myself. Be taught in God's word. Be delivered in him. And then he says this. Find deliverance. Compared to this deception, 
Be rooted, built up, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, this does not mean go eat a lot. I know some of your minds went there. You're already in NFL watching the Lions play. I don't know who they're playing. After dinner, in a semi-conscious state on your recliner. This is not what Paul is saying. He's not saying the holiday Thanksgiving. What Paul is saying is the green leaves, as green leaves are a sign of healthy tree, so too Thanksgiving is a sign of a healthy soul. As green leaves are a sign of a healthy tree, and we understand that right now because many of us see our grass and our trees dying, so too Thanksgiving is a sign of a healthy soul in Christ. You show me a miserable Christian, I'll show you someone that doesn't know Jesus. Really, show me a miserable Christian because I have seen people and I have walked with them through cancer, through Alzheimer's, through Lou Gehrig's disease. I've seen people that have looked at the ugliness of this world and they have not lost hope or thanksgiving because they are rooted in Jesus Christ. And I have seen other people that call themselves believers, that they stub their toe and their world falls apart. They cuss the door, they cuss the toe, they cuss God. And I would say that's a life that's about me and not him. And so if your life is not very thankful today, maybe you don't have much to be thankful about. And maybe when you receive Jesus this morning, he will radically change your life and you will find thanksgiving that will not run dry. Church, do not be deceived, but be delivered in Jesus Christ. I think one of the largest deceptions in, in our life right now, and it's a blessing, but it can also be, if we're not careful, a curse, is something that we call the Bible Belt. I've actually never physically seen the Bible Belt, but I've lived in it. This is how it's defined online because everything online is true. The Bible Belt is an informal region in the Southeast and Central United States in which socially conservative evangelical Protestantism plays a strong role in society and politics. And Christian church attendance across these, the, the, the denominations is generally higher than the nation's average. We say, well, pastor, what are you saying? You don't like the South? No. But I'm saying many of us have been fooled because we live in the South and we think we're moral people than Northerners. I know you do. And that because we go to church more than other people, that we are automatically saved. And if that were true, Jesus would not have had to die for us. But the reality of the good news is that he did die. He died to save us. And may we not buy into the lie that is our world. May we not buy into the lie that, you know what, if, it was, if we just go back to the good old days, this, this world will be changed. You had to go back thousands and thousands of years ago before the fall in the Garden of Eden. Those are the good old days. May we not buy the lie, the deception, the tradition of hollow men and the emptiness of this world. But today, may you find deliverance in Jesus Christ and him alone. God's word says this, and I will leave you here this morning.
For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete. We live in an environment that says you're not complete. And Jesus says, if you put your faith in me, you have everything you need. We're gonna have a time of response and I'm gonna invite you to the, to the altar just to respond to the Lord today. I believe, I not only believe, I know there are people here this morning that do not know Jesus Christ personally. You know about him, but you have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. If that is you, I pray that God takes the lens off that deception right now and you put your faith in Jesus. And you say, well, pastor, speaking to me, no, the Holy Spirit is. And I pray that you would hear the Holy Spirit speak in your heart and that you would respond. Maybe you bought the lie that, but I would love to, pastor, but I just, I am, I am not where I need to be. You will never be where you need to be, spiritually. And may you see that, may you humble yourself and may you repent of your sins and find forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Maybe you're here and you just feel like a tumbleweed this morning. You know you have a root, but it's, it's small and, and you feel like you've been blown to and fro. And you say, well, Pastor, I know I'm a believer. I know I'm established in my faith, but I'm struggling. Maybe you just need to spend time and say, Lord, establish, build in me. Know, know in my heart that I am built up and that I in Jesus Christ am made complete. Do not buy the lie that you must do it on your own. It is Christ and him alone that completes us. Maybe you're here and you've been deceived that you're too young to serve the Lord. And he has been encouraging you and been working with you. And you say, I'm just not there yet. Or maybe you're on the other end and you say, I'm too old to serve. Do not buy the lie that you cannot serve your Savior. Because he has saved you to serve him. He has saved you for his purposes. He has saved us to be the church and be the body of Christ. And may we respond to the good news of Jesus in a way that would radically change us and forever change our world. Let's pray. Father.